Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. We are here today with Fatima Matus. Um, who is an extraordinary filmmaker who is in the business of helping us take care of our hearts. She was introduced to me by Kimberly LeBlanc, major heart, who met her through the U.S. Embassy in Rabat in Morocco. And Fatima is an MFA. She got her MFA in film at City College of New York, and she is now back in Morocco, except right now she's in San Francisco, but she's now back in Morocco working on her next movie that she's going to do. But her short film was just shown last night at the Arab Film Festival in San Francisco, and the title of her film, her short film, which is extraordinary, everybody has to see it, ASAP, is called Family in Exile. And last night, it was at the Arab Film Festival. Welcome, Fatima! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Well, you are an, ama- you are an inspiration. You are an inspiration. Your movie is so exquisite. I just watched it for a second time because I love watching it. I love, I adore the cinematography. I lo- adore how you look at things. I adored the pace of the movie. I adored the editing of the movie. It's like every single, I didn't want to move my eyes. And I know that I'm going to watch it many more times. I just love the way it makes me feel. And you're dealing with a very painful topic. And yet you deal with it by the end of the movie and throughout the movie, actually even though it's a painful topic, and this is my favorite thing, you deal with it with a levity, like my heart never felt heavy because you and your mother and your grandmother, everyone in the film, everyone has this amazing sense of humor, right? And you all have the most wonderful laughs and, (laughs) and this levity about life, even though you are dealing with some very oppressive, heavy topics. So that is why you are an inspiration to me and why I'm so happy to have our superhero love of love um, lovers <laughs> um, listening to us today. So welcome, Fatima. And please um, tell us about your experience last night at the Arab Film Festival in San Francisco. Thank you so much. I am so touched by your words. It's- they mean a lot to me and yesterday was really nice so I was a little nervous I didn't know if people are gonna like the film or not and the screening um, was great people laughed and um, and uh, interacted with the movie and and during the Q&A they asked so many questions and they stayed and it was really wonderful how uh, engaging they were and um, at the end of the Q&A people uh, 
there was this wonderful woman who came to me. She's a musician and she was very touched and uh, she was such a good heart and she gave me a CD gift. Aww, <laughs> that's so beautiful. I thought okay. that was really sweet, yeah. That is so sweet. Well, yeah, I think you're going to get a lot more of that as you go through life, um, having people return that love to you that you give through your movie. So tell everybody what this movie is about. So the film, uh, as you said, is entitled Family in Exile, and it tackles um, conflicts within my own family uh, through conversations with my mom, with my grandma, and with my aunt. Topics, uh, subjects about gender tensions, patriarchy, girls' education, child marriage, and parent-childhood relationships are evoked. It's very intimate and very personal, yet um, people can relate to it from all over the world, I, I feel like, because, uh, because it's about family. And we all have grown with family. It doesn't have to be blood-related uh, family, but we always grow with someone around us. Um, could be friends, could be neighbors, could be and in an institution. So we always grow up with, uh, with someone around us. This, uh, these people that we grow with, whom we call family, uh, we sometimes have very uh, complicated and that's what, that's the reason why I wanted to make this film. So while there are pieces of your story that are specific to Morocco, in other words, we don't have arranged marriages in the United States, for instance, and we don't have children like you were being told you can't go back to school unless you're fully covered, which was your father's edict. While there are things that are specific that are outside the norms of our country, absolutely it is relatable. So let's give, let's give the listener a little bit of detail here, which is that it's largely looking at your relationship. You haven't spoken to your father in over 10 years. And your mother also has a problematic relationship with him as do all of your siblings largely. And I think that everybody can relate to having somebody that, you know, somebody in their family that nobody can work with. Like, okay, you're just, you're just going to be angry in your corner and you're not going to let us into your heart. You know, the people that have literally a cage over their heart and they will never, open. you do not have the key to my heart. You will never get the key to my heart. And it sounds like that's what's going on with your father. Yeah, exactly. It's really sad uh, that he, uh, he just built this wall between us and him, though in the same house, uh, we, you know, we kind of live in the same, the same house. I'm in on and off, but uh, we, are be, we are within four walls, but there is this um, imaginary wall that he built between us and him. It's, uh, it's very interesting how he looks, he, he's, how he sees it, and how I, I am so curious to know how he feels. Was it the first point of dramatic dissension between you when he told you you couldn't go back to school? No, actually, um, it started uh, at an early age. Mm, I don't recall if it was my mom or somebody else, but when I was born, I, he didn't really want to have a female. Okay. To have a male. Are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Oh, no. <laughs> so... Uh, so the relationship was very problematic since the beginning. Um, he had an issue with women or with females somehow. And um, growing up, uh, of course, becoming a woman, uh, he always um, uh, threatens, uh, threatens me. He didn't like the fact that I love. He, always, he didn't like the fact that I am sociable. 
and but this I understood later in life with this with 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 my age now but back mm -hmm. then I didn't really understand it this way um but then I think that was the the turning point when he said you cannot go you either you fully cover or you stay at home you don't go to school and he knew that I loved uh, school very much and he also at the same time he had this very complicated um ambiguous um relationship with education because he wanted me to go to school he wanted me to be educated uh, to be fair to him hmm. but at the same time he didn't want me he wanted to to possess me he didn't hmm. want the reputation to be ruined because he thinks that when a woman is independent goes out meets people interacts with other people the the reputation of the family is going to be ruined because of this woman just because I am a female. I have a female body, right? Mm -hmm. So, so this 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 was really uh, confusing to me. He wanted me to be educated, but he didn't want me to. He didn't want me to go out into the world. So, um, so then there were other other uh, other po like after two years again, he made me drop out of school, and I had to repeat a year of school. And then on and on and on. And I, as I grow, I become like stronger and more independent. The more um, we, the, the farther we become. So. Mm -hmm. so telling you that you needed to, you couldn't go back to school unless you were fully covered was just an excuse. He just wanted you, he wanted to take your power away and your power at that moment was your education, right? Yeah, because for him, I think he was, he was trying uh, to uh, enforce um, his rules by telling me he wanted me to be covered, but he couldn't tell me be covered. And he used education as a tool to, um, even though it's like whether you like it or not, you mm -hmm. have to be covered because he knew I will be covered. I will choose to be covered and never choose not to go to school. Mm -hmm. So it was a way for him to, to make sure I was fully covered somehow. So when you shot, you were standing at the top of the stairs, looking down at where he is down below. And I had this thought, well, it's like he's put himself in prison. Like you guys are up in the lights and in, surrounded by beautiful food and light and gorgeousness and laughter. And he's actually down in the dark dungeon. It's, yeah. just, it's just funny that that he's placed himself in this painful, but we all, we all have people like that in our family. So, so how do you, and also I know that your mother is seminal in this and you can tell from the movie, how has she helped you take care of your heart in the midst of this dissension with your father? Yeah. My mom was very um, close to us and she's very funny and she, she is hilarious. All the time. <laughs> And sometimes she lo she loves to to watch cartoons, and she's like laugh really loud, and we're like ah, oh, why are you laughing? There is nothing funny about this. <laughs> can I also say? Can I just insert, and you can tell her this that there, if I saw her on the street, there is no way that I would ever guess that she was in a horrible marriage. I would never guess that she looks so serene and she says in the movie you ask her what her dream is and she's oh and that is such a beautiful conversation between you of of you investigating what is her dream for her life and 
And then later the movie ends with more about her dream of her life, which is so exquisite. But when she says um, she just wished <laughs> she had just wished for a pe- for peace and to have a caring, loving husband, the one wish she had, <laughs> she doesn't get it. <laughs> but she looks like, like if I saw her at the market, I would think, oh, she looks like she has a beautiful marriage. She looks so happy. She looks like she has that life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in other words, she's, it feels like she's created it. And you have, you both have this mechanism where you make it so inside your hearts. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is yeah. that true? It is. It is. It's true. I mean, sometimes when, when he like creates drama or he like screams and we go, we laugh. We literally laugh. <laughs> it's crazy. Here we go again. You know? And that that made it really easy to, to to live with because she's very funny and she's she has she's very ethical, very honest, and she focused on uh, educating us to become uh, better people mm. and to be forgiving and oh. life as a short journey that think about it she said as a short journey and you have to enjoy it instead of um living dramatic moments like for 90 percent of it she said it's in your hand to be happy it's in your hand to be forgiving and it's in your hand to be a good person so work on that instead of focusing on something else jeez uh, i mean i am impressed with her i don't think i have even 2% of the love she has. She's, she's full of love. She's so, she's, to me, like I look at her and my friends and everybody, she's like an, she's really like an angel. I don't know. She is. She She is. (laughs) Yes. She looks like an angel too. Her face is like, she's glowing. And if you see the movie, you'll see her. You'll see plenty of her listener. You, you will love seeing her in the movie. She is just such a bright light. And I wanted more of her. Like I was like, I could literally watch her watch paint dry because she she would also, it would be like watching her watch a cartoon because I know she would find it fascinating and hilarious. Yeah, I will let her know for sure. She would be very happy. (laughs) But it's kind it's interesting that she was given this lot in life. Um, It's almost like, I mean, you have this sense that she shined, she had to shine even brighter to lead you through the heart pain of being with your father. So it's almost like she stepped into her greatness because of it, which is, which is also something that we can all relate to that we have a huge heart pain and it draws us to be our greatest selves yeah, yeah, and there is something that she has a routine that she does. I mean, she's religious. She's a devout Muslim, but she's super. She's at the same time very open-minded. Just I'm saying this just because a lot of people think of Muslims like. Yes, let's talk about that. Yes, like a woman who is covered. She doesn't have a life. She doesn't joke. She's not open-minded. She cannot talk about sexuality or homosexuality. No, I can talk about my mom. I, I can talk with my mom about any. Any anything I want, uh, be her being covered and how how you see her has nothing to do with how with how she is. She's a normal human being, right? So she has a she has a routine. I, I was saying, she she wakes up at at dawn to to do the prayer, 
and she does prayers on time um and she that makes her happy because i look at it mm. as like meditation because prayer is disconnecting your brain mm-hmm. from all the chaos that's happening around us in the world she like cleans herself and cleans her uh, her soul and she becomes really uh, at peace with herself and this is what ha- what kept her going because i asked her this question i said what what keeps you going? I don't, I don't, I don't have this, that, what you have. Like, it, it's very easy for me to, to become a, a little bit uh, feel down, etc. And she, she's not that way at all. And it's my routine. I wake up, I pray, and I really let go of everything. And I, I tell myself everything is happening for a good reason. And I pray for my kids to be unhappy. And that, and I see that um, you guys are are, are 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 building a good life. And it's it's of course it's um, baby steps. It's very slow, but yeah. I am sure. She said, "I see you in the future, all of you uh, having a very very good life." And that's that's what keeps me wake up in the morning and go through my day. Okay, can we talk about cleaning your soul? Because when you said that, I just felt like, oh my god, that feels so good. Is there a specific prayer? That is, yeah. There, yeah, there are specific prayers. You, know, we, I mean, we are Berbers. We and and the Quran is in Arabic. My mom memorizes the Quran in Arabic because that's what she uses to pray. Then, when when you finish the prayer, the actual formal prayer, mm-hmm. then there is a moment uh, after you finish the prayer where you just meditate and focus and pray in your own language. And okay, like pray. Anything that can help you, like I said, there is the, these beautiful prayers where you focus on your inner soul. When you, you just say, I hope I will never feel jealous of anybody. I will never look at what people have hmm. like a bad, you know, um, intention or compare myself to others. I should always be happy for my uh, brothers and sisters for having what they have mm-hmm. and I will surely have the same mm-hmm. or I will uh, or something else some something else some some beautiful thing is gonna happen to me as as long as you always have uh, uh, good intentions towards other people and wish good for other people so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the prayers that she um, she does and she be, she has you know she believes that uh, she just needs to be a good human being and treat people nicely and smile to people mm-hmm. and that's all it takes to, uh, to be happy yes if you make people happy you will be happy it's yes. automatic you know wow it's so beautiful it's so simple and it's actually isn't that that's the most important lesson you just said the most i feel like that's the most important lesson when we were talking yesterday, uh, because I'd heard the story of your father saying you can't go to school unless you're fully covered, I thought that there was possibly that you guys had some some dissension around religion. But you but you were saying no. But you're I love how you speak about God's view and the Quran's view of being covered. So I'd love for you to, to talk to that because I feel like that's an important thing for people to hear also. Yeah, I mean, religiously speaking, I'm not an expert, but according to what I've read, I, according to my personal view, because I believe that everybody uh, can do whatever they want, that whatever makes them happy. 
some women choose to be covered and that's what makes them happy and that it's good for them. As long as nobody uh, forced them to do that, I have a, an issue. But I also believe that I don't have to be covered to be a good human being because the essence of all religions and the essence of Islam as I understand it, uh, as, I, I, as I understand it is in all the verses the God says, um, the literal translation would be, I look at your heart. I look at your heart. That's beautiful. I, yeah, I never said, I look at if you're covered or not. <laughs> <laughs> I look at what you're wearing. If you're or not. No, I think the most important thing in, in Islam is being a good human being. That's it. So... I think it's pretty clear that if God looked into the heart of your mother and also into your heart, that, that God would be pretty happy <laughs> with what he found. I always tell this to my mom. I say, I tell her, is God fair? She said, of course. <laughs> no, if he's fair or she's fair, or I don't know. If God is fair, then why would he put me in jail for not covering my hair? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. And um, I said, do you love me? She said, I do. I said, but you, you say that love, God loves human beings more than their parents. She said, yes. I said, if I don't, I said, if I, for example, drink, which is forbidden in Islam, or I don't wear uh, a headscarf, would that change your love towards me? She mm-hmm. said, no. I said, so? <laughs> Wait, I missed something though. Can you go back? God, so... God loves the children more than he loves the parents? Is that what you said? No, I, because they say in religion that God loves uh, human beings. Like he loves yes. human beings more than their parents love their children. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I think you might have gone out right on that moment. So I'm glad I asked. Oh my God, that's, <laughs> that's so... God loves me and can forgive me in this. So why God wouldn't, you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so sad that your dad can't hear your mom's wisdom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, another thing that I know that people will wonder is why hasn't she left? Which, and I, again, I feel like, I mean, when people see the movie, you just see what an extraordinarily bright light she is. It's almost like, I just had this flash that like he plugs her into the socket because she has, she, he's like the electricity that makes her shine even brighter because they are um, together in this life. Like why? So she, she didn't leave because she didn't, she didn't have much support from her family because culturally it's not, it doesn't look nice or acceptable um, for a woman to get divorced. And also because she was, she was scared. She didn't have a lot of experience. She was not surrounded um, by people who would be like, I'll support you. You know, it's not the end of the world. You take your children and, and you will live a good life. It's not in his hand. But at that point, she was very young. She was 20. She was not 19 when she had me. Mm-hmm. And um, 19, 20. So she was, she didn't really know much, you know, and, um, she thought at that age that staying with my dad will will secure us a, a home, mm-hmm. uh, money for education, and uh, 
because she didn't have a diploma, she didn't have a job, she didn't finish her education. So she, she felt like it, she would do this, she would go through this marriage just for us. Mm-hmm. But later, 30 years later, I had this conversation with her and I said, and she said, I regret that I didn't leave mm-hmm. because I would have survived. And uh, you would have gone to college mm. with him, without him. You would have gotten your scholarship without him. And we would have lived a, a peaceful life. But she said, this is what it is. I also, she, she said, I also learned a lot. And I am becoming more and, more and stronger with the situation that I am living in. And it makes me happy uh, to see you, to see you um, all educated and, and happy in your life. And you're not criminals. You're not, you know, with all the, the <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yeah. all the, the problems that we lived at home, some kids, you know, they, they do drugs. They, they mm-hmm. will, because of the pressure and the abuse. And she said, I'm grateful that you, you did not fall trap to, to being addicted or to being, um, um, not a, you know, a good citizen. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, she also had, I mean, her mother was in an, so she was, this was an arranged marriage and her mother's marriage was an arranged marriage and so on and so on. Right. So, and in the community, was it mostly arranged marriages as well? Um, not all, actually my mom, she, it was not really an arranged marriage. It oh, was, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's okay. It's, I mean, it's kind of arranged, not arranged. It was not her family. She, uh, my grandfather is really open-minded. He was a musician and, and oh, wow. he never forced his um, daughters to get married with a specific person. So the neighbor of my grandma, uh, my father was uh, their, his friend, the friend of the neighbor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's where my mom met my, my, my father, but they really didn't have a relationship. She just met once right. or twice and he came and asked for her hand. So she did not t- take time to, to get to know him because it was shameful. It was not, um, it was not, it was looked, um, she wanted to be a good girl, a good, you know, mm-hmm. the rules. So that's what she did. Now everything has changed. Um, and also back then, also in, in, in villages, it's, it's not always an arranged, there is a probably issue of arranged marriages, but there are some, some places where, where even back then, um, women and men get to see each other and then choose each other and get married. So, um, but my grandma, it was an arranged marriage for sure. And she was very young. She was 12. It's, Oh my gosh, I just can't even understand the 12. And your aunt was 16, right? Was that an arranged marriage, your aunt? who? Um, no, not really. You know, I don't know. The, the definition of arranged marriage is very uh, vague and complicated. Uh, she, her, okay, so her parents, my aunt's parents, did not force uh, the husband on her or anything, but he met her through somebody. So they also, they didn't take time to date, you know, the date, right. dating in the, right. the concept of dating in the US, it, 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 they didn't do this, but there are other people who do it for sure. Okay. So you're working right now, you're back in Morocco, or you will be back in Morocco when you get back from San Francisco and you're working on your next documentary. And I'd love to have you tell us about that. Um, so my next project is about deaf uh, communities in Morocco. 
it's very vague for now. I really don't have the specific story, but I was very, I was drawn to the um, deaf communities and especially I want to focus on women and how they live their life in Morocco. And um, I want to learn sign language. I started one lesson before I came here. Uh, I want to learn the sign language before I start filming, just because I didn't want to have an interpreter between me and the, 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 the protagonist. So right. I want to be able to understand them and I want them to, to have a direct relationship with me and establish a relationship of trust. And um, so when I go back, I will continue learning the sign language and then getting to know these, these people who are, they didn't study with me. They were, they were very invisible and they're marginalized in the society and I know nothing about them. It's, we're totally uh, equal. The mm-hmm. only difference is that I produce some kind of sound and they don't produce the sound. That's it. (laughs) So they don't, they're not allowed. There isn't the ability to integrate them into regular schools. Yeah. No. Do they get to go to school or do they not get to go to school? They don't get to go to school. They go to uh, associations, local associations who teach them craft and they teach them Mm. and write and in French. But there is what to be fair. There is only one school, but it's not enough. I want, um, they should be able to have their own schools or be a, or that we should have mixed schools because it's, it's really, really um, um, unfair because only because they don't produce some sound, they, mm-hmm. they, they communicate differently with their hands that they have to go. They have a specific path. They, they cannot uh, make films. They cannot uh, go be abroad. And have they a- can't be scientists. So, they, they, so math and science is not even available to them, right? Wow. So, wow. And what, what drew you to this story? Did you meet someone who was marginalized? I, um, I mean, I, I, I did not meet anybody. I don't know. I am still trying to remember when I got, I got this. <gasps> wow. I don't know how. That's I, so cool. It just popped in your brain. That's the, so cool. Yeah, and I never met I never met a deaf person and it somehow came to me and and I, I couldn't um I think about about it every day. And when I graduated, that's what I was thinking about all the time. All the time. Wow. And the moment I went to Morocco, I went to uh to, to, to the market and there was a deaf homeless guy who came to me. And I tried to communicate with him. I understood a little bit of what he said. And he probably understood some of what I was telling him. And I said, wow, I just thought about these people. And then somebody came and I interacted with them. And that's a totally a sign that I should really do something. And there has never been a documentary in Morocco about deaf communities. Wow. So I really want to, uh, to be able to make this film. Why? Because I want, I want some light to be shed on these people. And I, I would love to, to be able to create some kind of conversation around the issue. And it would be really amazing if um, the government and, and the other associations and other institutions are able to to make some changes in the way um, 
these people are living, you know? Mm-hmm. So. God, that's so beautiful. And I love that it was just p- placed into your head. It was like a little seed was placed when you were asleep into your head. <laughs> I, still, I still think about it. I can't remember when. <laughs> That's so great. And speaking of educational opportunities, I really love how how your life um, shifted gears when your father said, no, if you don't fully cover, you can't go back to school and you refused. Uh, but tell us what happened after that, because you ended up back in school and tell us why you ended up back in school. I went back in school because at first I, I gave up. I was really shocked. I didn't know what to do. But um, my my friends or my classmates, they came to my house and they were like, aren't you going back to school? I said, no, this is it. I still remember. And this woman was like, no, but all the professors were talking about you and they said, you are very smart and it would be really a loss if you you don't go back to school and what are you going to do with your life? Just sit at home. And then my mom told me, you have to go because I was scared of my dad. That's why I didn't, I was not able to go. So I stayed about three or four days if I if I remember correctly and I went back and I was really shy but at the same time all my classmates were like greeting me and my professors were happy and and my professor my French professor was so uh, funny he was making fun of my dad in front of me he was trying to imitate him and everybody's laughing (laughs) oh my god that's so great we're so lucky I have several teachers that really had such an extraordinary impact on my life and we're so lucky when we have teachers like that and also your schoolmates that they came and said no no you have to come back I just love that story and your mom of course always a Guiding light. Is there anything else that you would like to, anything else that you would like people to know about Morocco? I think Morocco is a very beautiful country. Uh, <laughs> I have, I appreciate a lot of, a lot of things about it, but I don't appreciate a lot of other things that I wish they change. And it's very normal. Uh, when I criticize the situation in Morocco, it doesn't mean that I am an enemy, but it means I am a, one of, you know, of these people who want to see a better country uh, flourishing. And um, I don't know what else. I mean, is Islam as a religion, uh, the core of it is peace. The core of Islam is peace. If people see otherwise, it's just because... Some people have some benefits and agendas and they use it to manipulate people because the religion is the easiest drug leads people's brain. And I understand it in my own way and I I am not I, I don't practice but I I don't think that makes me less of a of a human being or, or of a Muslim uh, mm-hmm. woman and it's about uh, spreading love. It's about um, protecting other human beings and loving other people and forgiving. It's one of the pillars, forgiving. It's very hard to forgive. I mean, I sometimes cannot forgive some people, but I, I, you know, I I, I try. And that's what the core of of this religion is. And I think the core of all religions at the end and all... um, uh, societies should be based on ethics. It doesn't have to be named or categorized under a religious um, uh, umbrella, you know, concept. It's just, um, I think the life is, is, is 
very simple when we when we wake up with the intention to have an, a good day and to be nice to people and to be happy and to love and that's it that's so beautiful i and i love i really i feel like i want to do that now when i wake up to make my own little prayer about cleaning my soul and starting fresh and but one of the things you mentioned the word forgiving now a couple of times and i just wanted to ask do you feel like you've forgiven your father um i think gradually not fully i used to be really angry before i think i to be honest i think the film has made me forgive him little by little the more i see it the more i i forgive him i've been people say oh you've been so uh, tough to your father with this film you portrayed him as, as a dictator as, as a horrible person and i said and no it's not that you know i, I didn't my my intention was never to portray him as a specific um character but it was just to tell in the fact of this is his behavior it doesn't mean that he's mm-hmm. a horrible person mm-hmm. you know we all have uh, beautiful sides and bad sides and, mm-hmm. and the more i see the film the more i distance myself from the anger that i have towards it if i can say so that's beautiful i feel like that's I think that might be, you might have just stated what I think is the core of why the movie is so uplifting is that it is, it isn't, I didn't find it judgmental either. It's almost like, so there are people in this world, there are people in your life that have such extreme pain in their hearts they ha- that they have to hurt other people. And it's not, it's not even their intention to hurt these people, but it ends up happening and we don't need to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got it. And like I said, it doesn't matter which country it you know that that could have been filmed in any country. And I'm glad that you told your story and I'm glad it was Morocco because I've actually been to Morocco three times. I love Morocco so much. <laughs> so I love your country. So I was so happy and I I still covet the floors that you I want tile floors and to be able to do what your mother did and throw water on the floor and then squeegee it out of the door. I just that's I you know I I love that. Um, she makes cleaning a house look so fun. And she also, oh my God, I love watching her cook. Oh, just the most glorious creations that she makes. Anyway, I, I think it's it's also, your movie is definitely a love letter to your mom. And I, I fell in love with your mom through your movie as well. But I feel like it's as much of a love letter to your father. In other words, just seeing him for who he is. and Yeah, you know, you changed my perspective a little bit because... I named it, it's a letter of resistance to my father. And now I, I look at it as a, you just mentioned it now and I never thought about it. So I, from now on, I will be telling people it's a love letter Mom, and also to my dad. You yes. Know? <laughs> and what, wait, what was the original title? I can't, what was the original title? Uh, it was God's Shadow. <sighs> yes. And tell us why you named it God's Shadow. I named it God's First. Shadow because... I compared my father, my father, to a god, to a god figure because mm-hmm. he's god, and I really can't see my father. So I, I only, but I only see his shadow, like the sounds he makes when he makes tea, uh, the the smells of the smoke when he smokes cigarettes, and um, when he opens the door, 
Uh, I know his car coming from really far. I know his car really well, the sound of the engine. Um, it's these, these things that are that I can hear and I can smell, but I cannot really see. Mm. That's why I call it God's shadow. And also because the, uh, God is... Uh, dictate some rules that we should abide by etc so that's how i called it listeners are probably wondering why are you bring up the old title but i it's like that title fed the project and that layer is in there right and so and i think it's such an important layer and we it is definitely a heart healing journey it's only 15 minutes long and it is definitely a salve on on hearts and it and it is such a joy to watch you and your mother and your grandmother. Oh, my God, when your grandmother left. I think they fed me a lot of strength. Without them, I, without these women, I would have never really um, made it. Um, I didn't really make it that far, but, you know. Yes, you have. <laughs> the journey to being a Fulbright Scholar, the journey to an MFA in the United States, and to creating this very beautiful award-winning film. And I know that there will be many more award-winning films in your future. And I just love how you tell stories. I love how you see the world. And I love how you're... You just allow your heart to be touched and you have such an open heart in spite of being a child of a problematic person. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. That's true. exactly, exactly. I feel the love. So thank you for making time, especially you have very limited time while you're here in the United States. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for making time for this podcast. And I will definitely stay in touch with you and we're going to want to hear more from you on the podcast in the future yeah i would love to thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it i also appreciate your time and it's such an honor to be on your podcast and i just want to say thank you to uh to people because of them i am here and because of them i i am i am in san francisco it's uh kimberly of course yay thank you kimberly i love you so much and Thanks to all the staff at the U.S. Embassy in Rabat who believed in me and who are encouraging me and who um, made it possible for me to come and attend the festival. I, this means a lot to me. So thank you so much. And to everyone out there who supports me with, 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 um, with anything, with, with love, with care, with an email, with a message. I just, um, it just means a lot to me. I am here because of the support of so many people. It's not just me and also the film I didn't make it by myself it's because of the support of so many people that uh, the list is really long and I want to say thank you and I am forever grateful for them what a glorious treasure she is from Morocco I love Morocco and now I have another reason to love Morocco thank you so much Fatima for joining us during your limited time back here in the United States we'll be watching you and thank you superheroes of love for listening if you feel like it please go over to iTunes and rate the podcast it'll draw more superheroes into fold and an exciting announcement um, as of today the new website is up for the brand new event love forward talks which uh, is debuting on november 11th in pasadena california so go to loveforwardtalks.com you can read about that there will be many more love forward talks in the future 
so maybe there'll be one in a city near you very soon. We shall see. Um, anyway, thank you for joining us today, superheroes. Have a great day.